Welcome to the Entail AI podcast, discussions with marketing executives sharing their latest techniques for growing their businesses online. Welcome to Entail podcast, where we speak with marketing leaders from B2B and B2C companies. And today I'm happy to have with me Shlomi Ashkenazi, head of brand at Cybellum. Hi, Shlomi. How's it going? Hi, Tom. I'm, I'm great. Uh, love the podcast and what you do. So happy to be here. Okay, very happy to have you. Um, so you say your friend with friends with Ari, which uh, we spoke with about branding as well. It was very interesting. So I'm excited to speak to you uh, also today about branding and uh, and building branding narratives. Um, but maybe before we start, you want if you want to take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself, about your experience, and what we've been up to up to in the last years. Sure, sure. So first of all, happy you you had a chance to speak with Ari's. Uh, is a legend and, and a brilliant uh, writer and, and brand person. Uh, as to myself, I actually got into marketing by accident. I started out as a business consultant and management consultant at Deloitte. And I worked with a lot of tech companies. And little by little, I realized that uh, actually the effect of, of branding and marketing on these companies was sometimes even larger than the business strategy and go to plan uh, go to market plans that we built for them and i got more and more interested in that uh so eventually i joined a, a branding and positioning agency where i helped a lot of uh, b2b founders um uh, in israel and abroad to uh, craft their positioning and, and build a brand that's also where i met uh, ari and uh, that's what i did for for a long time and today I'm uh, the head of brand at, at Cybellum. I'm in charge of branding, content, uh, marketing, and also more strategic projects that touch on product and other issues uh, at the company. Okay, but that's very cool. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's a great timing for me actually to have this conversation because we're talking a lot about, about building our narrative and our brand at Intel. And... I mean, me personally, I worked before before this this company, my previous company. I worked with a guy called uh, Shai Ben Itzchak. He founded Triple uh, Eight Online Gambling, and and he really loved marketing. I mean, so loved. Unfortunately, he died in a, in an accident. He was a dear friend, oh. but um, but he really loved marketing. I learned I learned a lot from him, and and you know, having built a company like like Triple Eight Online gam- Gambling Casino and so on, so it's really a marketing company. And, and for him, it was, you know, about performance, about what works. Branding was never an issue for him. It was to the point where he would never even look at the website or, or the app uh, or, or anything that has to do with marketing, really just, just the numbers. It was really about the numbers. But now when, you know, my company is B2B, I see more and more. Uh, it's true to B2C, of course, but over there, it's uh, in many cases, it's easier just to measure the, the performance. But I see now in B2B how important it is, your brand and your positioning and how you tell your story. So maybe before, before we dive into like the, the more specifics, maybe you can touch on that. Like, because one approach is really like almost a cynical approach where it's just about the numbers. Don't tell me stories. And the other approach is, I mean, people don't feel comfortable buying from you if they have never heard of you. So maybe you can say a few things about that. Yeah, uh, sure. It's, it's a very common uh, point of view and... I think uh, your friend is right to, to a certain extent because performance marketing is really where you have very uh, clear and immediate value and you can measure it uh, immediately in the short term usually. 
and and also it leads to revenue which is what what this entire thing is all about right uh, marketing mm-hmm. uh, without uh, providing value is, is arts and crafts and as one of my mentors once said so uh, so yeah it's important uh, but I do think that they work in parallel because branding what branding does is actually good branding creates the sense of urgency and the need for more of a midterm and even long-term view. Um, and the, the great thing about branding, like a lot of things in life, that it's exponential. So as long as you're consistent and you invest in it through time, the value you get from it grows exponentially. So if you're strong enough and you, and, and you settle in and you wait for it to kind of give you back the value, uh, it, it's usually, and I saw it happen numerous times, it gives you tenfold, twentyfold uh, the return that only performance marketing uh, would give you alone. Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on how, uh, you know, stressed you are to get value quickly. And you probably need to do both to, to, to really establish yourself in a, in a market, but also get value in the, in the meanwhile. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it sounds very similar to the difference between performance and, and organic, you know, like organic takes time, but then it pays dividends in a way it's, like you say, it's exponential. It, it accumulates over time. Um, but then, and then often when, when I'm asked about, you know, what's the right time to start with organic marketing, you know, like, like content and SEO and so on, I tell people it depends. Can you, I mean, does your business already have an, a working online funnel? Are you managing to sell through other channels? Because because SEO, let's say, or organic is not really the best channel for experimenting. Once you have a business that works, once you can convert sales, you can really scale that up through content and, and organic. So I'm really wondering, what's your approach on that? Because, I mean, another friend of mine, um, he started the company, what do you call it? Buy Me, you know, uh, Buy Me, Michael Delkis. He started Buy Me. And, and he told me about um, when they went through a branding process and he said, like, he said, like, he grabbed his head and said, well, why haven't we done it? Why didn't we do it before? You know, it was so valuable to the company. So my question is, at what stage do you start, like, focusing on building a brand? Do you, do you recommend doing it at the very early days of the company? Or would you go to, or would you prefer to prove product market fit or a working funnel or anything like that before you, you double down on branding? So I think... If we look at the essence of the brand, which to me is really the the narrative, uh, the brand narrative that you want to follow. So if you're asking me about that, uh, I think without a doubt, uh, the, the, the sooner the better. And the reason for that is that changing a narrative or changing a brand later on in the company's uh, lifetime is uh, significantly more difficult. And I've seen it a few times. Um, and and it, it's much more difficult to do it later on, especially if you didn't have a concise brand at the beginning, a concise narrative at the beginning, because uh, you're kind of all over the place and now you need to uh, deal with legacy and things that people are already used to. So I would say that to get the core of the brand is, is fundamental. First of all, internally, it's fundamental, not even for your customers, mm-hmm. because a good brand, a good brand narrative is essentially uh, your strategy. Uh, and, and if you don't have that, I don't think you really have a good strategy for the company or maybe you, you haven't articulated it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so so that's critical in my mind. And, and for customers, 
it really sets the stage for everything you're going to do in, in, the, in the next few years. So I think the sooner the better. There is one caveat, caveat to this, which is you need to know really, really well who your customer is and what are their pains. If you don't have that, I would wait a little. But once you get a pretty clear understanding of who you want to talk to and, and what are their pains and, and you talk to enough people, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the time to talk about yeah. the brand. Okay, so so even if you're in the stage where you're experimenting, maybe you're still checking which channels perform best for you and so on, even at that stage, you would invest in, in building your narrative. Because, I mean, if I, if I understand what you're saying correctly, um, even to... To create the, I don't know, like ads on even ads on Google, where you just have you know just short text to drive people to your website. You probably wanna, uh, w- from your approach, you probably wanna have, you probably wanna know what your narrative is, so you can present your business or your value proposition in the right way that resonates with the target audience, that that presents the brand in 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 a nice way, right, in the right light. Um, is, uh, am I am I getting it right? So. Yeah, so so I I I don't sure I'm not sure I 100% agree because I think for the short term, if you're talking about uh, ads and uh, creating demand in the short term mm-hmm. and kind of building the sales funnel, um, you're dealing with uh, uh, really again short term marketing and short term marketing can be varied and it should be varied. It should contain a lot of messages. You should do a lot of trial and error, a lot of A-B testing. You should see what works and double down on it. This is kind of, I think, what your late friend was probably uh, focused on. And and that's great. That's the numbers game. That's the short-term game. A brand, I would say, is lives more in the one-year, two-year time frame. So that should be, ideally, a story and narrative that is consistent and you stick to for a relatively long time. It's okay to change the brand and the brand narrative every few years, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, focus on the same task at hand as short-term marketing and short-term ads. So you can do both. You can you can talk about a million different messages in your in your short-term ads, and that's fine, uh, as long as you know what your brand is, and that will probably dictate, of course, you know uh, the look and feel and the tone of voice and the things you do. Uh, and also, of course, the website and, and all of that. But uh, it, it doesn't contradict one another. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I have to say also because of the the podcast we did recently with Ari and also, and, and, and what you're explaining now, I'm pretty sold on this. I mean, I'm, I've been in marketing for a long time, never looked into branding or anything like that, but I can definitely see the value. And so, I mean... The next question is, 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 of course, so how do you develop the, the narrative or where do you start when you, because you say you help, you've been helping uh, founders build their, their brand, like for their company, as you know, for, for a decade or so. Um, so where do you start? What, how does the process look like? Right. So uh, after a lot of, of trial and error, and, and it took a long time to, to get this process right, um, I personally think that the best way to approach it is almost like an engineer would approach building a product. So I really view this thing, I, I, I even call it brand engineering. It's it's a very methodotic, methodological process uh, where you kind of build it based on, on, on specific milestones. And I would say that the first thing uh, that you need to do, and it goes back to what we said before, uh, is getting to know the customer as much as possible 
talking to prospects and customers and really trying to drill down into who they are and what they look for, uh, regardless of your company and your product, just as as people and, and, and in terms of their job and, and all of that. So that I would say is the number one thing. Uh, and when you combine it with you know research you do on the market and of course on the competition and all of that, you can start having enough data to kind of uh, start this engineering process and thinking process. Okay. Um, so really that's where I would start. Uh, you need to really intimately know these people um, to the point that you are really feel like you, you can serve them and you can talk on behalf of them. And that's where I think where, when you can start thinking about building the, the narrative. Okay, and and in terms of um, of so in terms of, of building the narrative itself, can you describe a little bit that process? Sure. So I, I think once you you talk to the customers, you uh, you would need to map out uh, first of all their their main pains and their main needs. Uh, but since we're talking about B two B, which is where I'm coming from, um, you need to always also think how each one of these needs kind of connects uh, to what you do and and what would be the proof of, of, of that specific need in your solution. So in other words, how can you or what the product can do to solve each one of those needs. Um, so if you learn, for example, I don't know, if you're in cybersecurity and you learn that really uh, speed is the number one thing that your specific customers look for, they want to analyze risks much more quickly, uh, then you would need to also figure out what is what do you have in the product that can connect to it and whether you even have that kind of thing at all. Um, so once you do that for a bunch of needs and pains. So you, you basically, uh, you you basically start by out. mapping, you start, sorry for interrupting. So you start by mapping sure. all the all the needs and pains, basically all the problems yeah. that, the, yeah, that the customers. So you start by, by understanding who the customer is. And then you map basically all the all the pains that, that they have and which ones you can you can solve for them, right? Correct. And and also the the third layer of this is of course how important each each need is. Because if you only talk to one to, or two customers, you may not find a common ground. But after you talk to ten or twenty, you'll start finding a common ground and also things that are much more urgent and and much much more of reasons to buy for them than other things. Uh, that are maybe nice to have. Um, so once you have all of that data, yeah, you can start focusing on a few uh, on a few needs that align both with your product, with the customer, with the sense of urgency, um, and 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 then you can start. Uh, the next step, I would say, is of course you need to look at the market. You need to look at the mm-hmm. competition. Uh, if one of your competitors already owns a specific need or a specific uh, focus area. Uh, then that's a problem or you need to reinvent the wheel a little bit. So uh, that would be the un- the next, I would say, filtering mechanism before you get to that one thing you want to focus on. Because the name of the game eventually in, in good branding is focus. That's the hardest thing to do, especially in B2B. You want to focus as much as possible on, on one need for one customer. As, as difficult as it is, that's the task. Okay, that, that's really challenging. I can tell you. I mean, uh, I can tell because we work. We're helping companies solve organic marketing, specifically SEO, and now also more and more in video and social media. Um, 
but there's just so many challenges that companies are facing there and what we've realized and i mean the one i mean we haven't done yet this process that you're describing which i want to work on with ari but um the one main problem and it's it's i think it combines all of them eventually is to be able to generate sales through organic through or let's say seo and organic traffic and and most companies they don't really do it they only get sales from if, if it's organic it's only brand they don't even measure the the sales that they get from um from all the different channels um perhaps in terms of the branding we can just focus on that but but how do you solve the situation where like for us to solve that specific problem we have to solve a set of i don't know 50 different problems so how do you yeah. how do you reconcile that and how do you incorporate that into your into your uh, brand uh, like brand engineering process that you would describe it and i like i like it when you can engineer a process like that that's what we do in, in organic marketing so i can really appreciate that um but how do you solve that so you focus on on the one problem that represents all the rest and the rest are kind of like more in the background that you don't focus on them as far as as what the brand represents yeah uh great question so uh, first of all just to to say because you talked about seo and, and things like that that the very process itself of doing what we just discussed, uh, I found usually helps uh, marketing and, and founders also focus on their um, SEO and, and inorganic marketing because once you map all of that stuff, this is exactly the stuff you need for SEO. Uh, there, you don't need to focus. You don't you don't have that challenge. You, you can do whatever you want. Uh, and that's valuable in its own right. But in terms of engineering the brand, then... I would say you don't necessarily need to find the one thing that covers everything. You would never find it. That's like the the, the dream, but you would never find it. You would need to find something that, again, is relevant enough, urgent enough, and differentiated enough from the competitors so that you can start making noise and, and, and start becoming important in your customer's life. The thing that I found that is most difficult for founders to understand, especially if they are engineers or developers, is that the brand is kind of a different entity than the product in a way in the company. It's it's okay if it if it doesn't cover the entire uh, kind of uh, all the features broad yeah. broadness of the product. It's okay. It's it's the the goal is to bring them to you and to create a need and 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 to kind of change the mindset. That's the goal of the brand. Once they're there, you have, you know, a full hour with them to show them a demo and to talk to them and to do sales. It's fine. But but the process of getting them to the table is very difficult because of all the noise that's out there. And there's no other way around it. It's just human psychology. You have to be focused so people will remember you and 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 recognize you when 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 you try to create awareness, which is what branding does. Okay. And um so in terms of the process now, so at what point do you start developing the narrative itself? Right. So I think once you find, the, uh, I would say, the one or two pains and needs that cover everything, sorry, that cover everything that we, we talked about uh, before, uh, you can then start crafting the narrative from uh, the point of view of the of the customer. And that's, I think, one of the most important thing that it's not a story about you. It's a story about the customer. Um, and, you know, there are many ways of doing it. Uh, there are methods and there are a lot of, you know, storytelling methods out there of how to build the right story. 
I can't tell you that there is one method that always works, but essentially the, the, the pillars of the narrative that we would want to cover is, first of all, identify uh, the problem and the pain that, that exists uh, in the world. Uh, even before you talk about the customer and before you talk about yourself. So it's kind of something that you want to to uh, create a, a hook around that people will realize it's an actual problem that, that exists uh, and, and, and we need to change it. Uh, so that's, I would say, the, the, the first thing and the, the thing that's probably most difficult to create in, in the brand narrative. After that, you, of course, introduce yourself and the, and the product and the... Um, and there, there are many tools that can help you. For example, category is one of the most popular and, and, and uh, useful ones, uh, either to coin a category, a new category, or uh, use an existing category. But categories are very, very effective tools for uh, communicating what it is you do. So that's, that's also something we use. Um, and I would say the last part of the, the narrative is usually uh, a combination of the proof. So how how do you do uh, that? The, the the kind of the thing that makes people trust you and understand that oh, there's actually a technology here or a team or expertise uh, that that might actually solve this problem that we talked about. That's the proof part. Uh, and then the last part is, is sort of like the purpose or the vision, uh, which is the big the big your big uh, kind of role in in the world. It's like, uh, you know, if you think of Airbnb and their mission to create a world where anyone can belong uh, anywhere, that sort of thing. So that's yeah. usually how you end the, the narrative. Okay. Uh, super interesting. And and so I guess only after you have that process done, only then you can start speaking about or or building like what is the right tone of voice and then personality and all that, right? So first you have to have, I mean, what, so what's the next step after you have the narrative uh, now? Yeah, so I think um, actually, ideally, before you write the narrative, you would figure out uh, what is your tone of voice and what is your uh, personality. Uh, I think once you realize what your uh, kind of what, what of the what is the pain and and the positioning you want to focus on, uh, that's where you want to talk about brand uh, personality and, and tone of voice. The reason is that once you have the narrative, ideally that would be your guiding light and that would also include already your personality and your and your uh, tone of voice. Um, and actually, they, with regards to personality and tone of voice, I think the B2C market for decades now have, have been mastering this thing. And this is not an area where we should reinvent the wheel, I believe, in, in B2B and in tech. Yeah. Uh, there is so much knowledge out there, you know, on how to build a brand archetype. Are you the rebel or are you the intellectual? What kind of tone of voice you use, direct, indirect? I mean, you know, the big brands, the, 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 the car companies, the McDonald's, the Coca-Colas of the world have mastered it. So there's so much knowledge out there. I would advise to just follow that and kind of, yeah. you know, bring that to the world of B2B. I feel it's the same thing with the PLG, you know, like product like growth, um, a fancy name for, for what consumer, fancy name for the B2B industry for what consumer have been doing for, I know, since the beginning of the internet probably. So yeah, probably you can yeah. find a lot of information there. Um, okay. And, and, and so in terms of, of, so what businesses, and I think I asked uh, again about Ari, I mean, the resemblance, 
I think I asked him a similar question. I mean, what brands do you think should invest and what brands should, what companies should invest in branding and what, when, what companies should, I mean, for example, I don't know, a drop shipping company probably doesn't need to invest in branding so much because they may kind of like change their outfit every now and then. Um, and also because you say it's a long-term game and it's exponential. So I'm thinking that mostly companies that, that want to play a long game, that have the capacity to play a long game, that have the product market fit and, and, and I know a big enough market and so on, um, potential to drive, to generate enough revenues should invest in it or maybe you have a different, I mean, so what's your opinion on that? So I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know a lot of companies who only want to exist for two or three years. Like usually when a company starts, they know that it will be a process of, uh, you know, at least five years. Uh, I mean, there are instances and I, I, I worked in the past with companies that built a product. I even worked with them on building their uh, positioning and narrative, and then they were sold just for the technology. So that happens, but usually that's not the case. Um, so I, I think, to be honest, any company, even if it's B2B2B, uh, could benefit from brand to one, uh, to one extent or another. So a brand doesn't need to be, uh, you know, as, as big as whatever, Wheeze or Gong or, or these huge B2B uh, brands that we have now. Uh, a brand can also help you if you have hundreds or thousands of customers that are only B2B. It can be about, you know, building a community for those specific people. So no one else will know you and you may have just, I don't know, a few thousand followers on LinkedIn, but that's fine. It's not, it's not a numbers game. It's more of like an attachment game. As long as you can create brand attachment with the relevant people in front of you, uh, you're going to get sales. So I actually think even a dropshipping company uh, with, with the right attitude can, can benefit from it. And the other thing I would say is that branding, contrary to popular belief, it, it doesn't have to cost that much. Uh, what costs a lot is, you know, the, the, the Super Bowl ads or, or the big, uh, the big campaigns, of course, that you want to do. But you can do a lot with branding if you have a good brand uh, on the low cost side, just by having a good narrative and, and some creativity. So uh, I think, yeah, it's a worthwhile uh, endeavor for almost almost any company that has more than ten customers, right? Yeah. Okay, no, I mean, you see, because, you know, we're thinking mostly, we're talking mostly now about B2B startups and, and mostly tech companies, um, but there's many other companies. It can be e-commerce companies, and, and what I've seen is that not all of them, I mean, also in SEO, not all of them have the capacity to succeed because for some of them, the lifetime value of the user is too low and it doesn't justify investing in content, or for some of them, they just don't have enough money to to invest in something like that. So they just, they're just busy with the day to day. They can think that far ahead. So that's it. And, or some companies are just, I know a, a restaurant, so they may have, they may need to do some branding, uh, as well, but the, to what capacity, but, um, but I want to focus a bit more now for a little bit about what practical, um, channels do you use? I mean, so let's say you, you build the brand strategy and you have everything in place. Um, it's also a lot about how to get exposure. So it is very connected with marketing, of course. So, I mean, even if you just, for example, I'm using SEMrush, you know, we use it uh, for, for some like simple things, like like look at other websites and seeing how much traffic they have. Um, we have our own tools to, to generate a, a strategy, but just to look at other companies. Um, 
even though I'm a paid customer, you know, and my company, everybody, the company has access to SEMrush. Um, I see their their uh, their ads all the time, like on on um, AdSense. When I go on on a content website, I'll see an AdSense uh, an ad from from uh, SEMrush. And I feel in the beginning, I thought, why why are they advertising to me? I'm already a customer, or maybe they don't know I'm a customer or something like that. But then I see, you know, AdSense don't don't cost much. And um, and it really helps brand awareness, and it helps it they, it helps them be top of mind to like go back and use that product all the time. So so even paid advertising helps branding, uh, I think. Okay, but but what what techniques techniques do you use for for branding? Is it more like content on social media, content on SEO, more paid channels, or this uh, creative technique you ch- told me just before we started? So maybe you can give a few examples. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the tough part, right? I mean, building the brand is a few months process and you're done with it. And now propagating it and then actually like building it over time, that's the tough part. So uh, of course, there isn't one size fits all answer. It really depends on the company and the budget and everything. But um, what I can say is really try to think about it as a real multi-channel effort. Um, so... Everything you mentioned and a million other things uh, impact your brand. So, of course, you can do paid campaigns just for awareness, just to propagate that message that you created. And you can do written content and video content, and you can use your uh, the employees in the company uh, to kind of get messages across for you, which is a very, very powerful tool. Uh, you can start a community. You can have a podcast. You can... Uh, essentially everything that you do that does exposure to your customers is uh, a, a stage for you to build a brand. Uh, and that's where you would need to start uh, looking at it from a more performance angle and see what works, what doesn't, and, and fail fast and kind of drill down to the things that work and double down on the things that work and, and, and eliminate the things that don't. This is a, you know a marketing project like any other the big difference is that the goal is not necessarily to get leads, it is to raise awareness. So you would need to measure whether you may raise, raise the awareness or not. That's what you need to measure. And you, you shouldn't confuse the two uh, because, again, the thing that will bring you now a customer at this very moment uh, eager to buy is a different thing than, than building the awareness for the for them to buy in a year or two. So so that's the one thing I would I would be careful of. But Besides that, I think any creative idea that fits the narrative, the personality, the tone of voice you choose, everything like that uh, is, uh, is 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 feasible uh, as long as you measure it. So, so how do you measure it? Because in, in again, Triple Eight example, um, they even advertised on billboards, even though they were like super performance driven. When they had an opportunity in the UK, I just remember the stories um, uh, Shai told me. They used to advertise on billboards or or sponsor uh, football teams and so on. Um, but so many things aren't really measurable. So and and so there's another another aspect to this where it's not that measurable because if you're running PPC ads and you spend a hundred dollars and you make in hundred fifty, you can argue I need more budget and you can increase the budget because of that. But because branding is much more difficult to measure it's probably also more difficult to get budgets for. So I think that's that's because there are two sides of this question. So first of all, how do you measure and can you measure? And also, should you do only things that are measurable? Often people say, you know, um, and then 
if you can't measure everything, then how do you justify the budget? Yeah, uh, so I actually think you can measure a lot, but it's not measurable in the short time frame like, you know, Google Ads is, and that's what you need to, to understand. But once you look at it from a month-by-month -month perspective or even six-months perspective, you can measure a lot. So awareness, you know, is something you can measure uh, quite easily by just looking up uh, how many people search for you uh, online or uh, even doing, you know, things like uh, survey companies that do, which is uh, how many of you are aware of you, first of all, but also how many of you, uh, your customers, are aware of your solution and how how is it called and what, what is the problem you solve? Because sometimes that's all you really try to do with branding is kind of change the mindset. So that's something you can measure by just asking people and then doing your own service or other service. But the, actually my favorite way of measuring the brand is talking a lot with the sales team uh, and trying to see how much of the leads that they do get or the relationships that they build are impacted by the brand. So they don't necessarily have to come from the brand, but are impacted. So for example, if I hear from the sales team that uh, a customer got to them through a podcast we did about something or uh, a, a, an awareness campaign was the first time they heard about us or a video we did, which was all brand, uh, was the thing that got us interested in us. And 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 they say this, if, if their things are good, you, you, you hear about them anyways. And, and if not, you can ask and, and, and you learn it through time. So it's a kind of a Sisyphean way to measure, but, but if you're with a good relationship with sales, you can do that on a day-by-day -day basis and start seeing, okay, these things work. We hear more about these things, less about these things. And that's also measurements and, and, and uh, something you can rely on uh, long-term. Okay. And so often in B2B, um, what's like, and I know every company is different and it's like asking like, how much does a car cost? But in general, how, how many times do you think a person needs to hear about the company before they, they take a call with you, before they jump on the devil? On, on average, you're kind of like a ballpark. Yeah. Um, you, you mean, uh, just to understand, you mean how many how many times does he need to hear from you before you can reach out to him or before he will reach out well, to I mean, you, you it, mean? You can also reach out to a person you don't know or somebody, or sometimes somebody just, you know, stumbles upon your website or something. But often what happens, and I think that's what you're describing with like being in close touch with the, with the sales team, is that, that you hear from them, okay, I mean, I had a call this week with a person and they heard about us through a podcast and they saw an ad or they saw some content we published on LinkedIn. And, and so the conversation was much easier. They felt they, they were like, were more relatable and yeah. so on. So do you think, or, I mean, do you have an estimation of, of do people, do, do leads often hear about or, or get exposed to the brand a few times before they end up on a sales call? Or is it, uh, and so let, let me phrase it in a different way because B2B companies usually rely on, on SDR activities, okay? Like reaching out to people. That's more of, most of the leads come through that or through paid yeah. channels. And so, and in both channels, paid channels and SDR, do you have an estimation of, of whether people need to hear about you a few times before they positively respond and come jump on a, on a demo call? Or do you think most of the leads are like completely cold, never heard about you before? And it's like the first time and, and they convert. 
Yeah, so I can I can speak from my experience in in the company that I'm currently at, let's say Bellman. For us, uh, by far most of the prospects that come to us have already heard about us. It's partly due to the fact that we are in a relatively small market, um, so we kind of met everybody at some point or another. But for us, and I think for a lot of enterprise sales uh, companies, you know, B two B companies. Uh, I, I imagine that's the case that they usually either heard of you or even better know what you do uh, before you uh, you have that SDR call uh, and that's really really crucial uh, when I joined for example uh, Sabellum the, the company only worked in one industry it was focused on the automotive industry and one of the reasons the CEO brought me was to help uh, get us inside new markets Um so that was an incredible case study because after starting and focusing on that specific industry for about six months or, or one year, uh, we would start seeing that when SDR are calling people in the industry, uh, the, the people say something like, oh yeah, I, I heard your name or I heard of you or I saw you in that event or, oh, you are the guys who are doing the product security stuff, right? So. We saw that happen more and more, and obviously it made everything easier. Uh, so, so for us, and I imagine for a lot of again B two B companies, it's it's the case. Uh, SDR is probably the most difficult job on the planet, and and without that, uh, most of the calls will will be closed by them hanging up, as we know. So, yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, and so maybe maybe you can uh, uh, tell us. Tell a few examples from like like practical things that you've done at uh, Cybellement, how you built the, the narrative there, and, and tell a little bit about the company itself. Sure. So we are a, a product security company. So we're a cybersecurity company, but we're focusing on physical products. So things like cars, medical devices, industrial equipment, that sort of thing, which of course includes more software than ever. So we help those companies uh, uh, secure these products. That's that's our specialty. And as to the, the brand narrative at Cybellum, so this was kind of a, an interesting interesting process for me because I helped them build a brand when there were five people and a dog sort of thing as a consultant a few years ago. Uh, and then I joined them at a, at a later stage when they were also already a much more established startup. Uh, again, for the reason of, of kind of helping them progress and change the perception in the market of them to, to something else, a new product that they've built, which is much more uh, expensive, uh, not expensive as in costly, but big. Uh, and also uh, to, to uh, grow to more industries, as I mentioned. So I must say, and I, I think I helped like probably more than 50 founders uh, do uh, the positioning and, and branding and, this was one of the most difficult uh, challenges I have simply because not only did they have a product which is very comprehensive and has a lot of benefits or features, um, but also they already had a legacy. So they had a story that they kind of stuck to for a long time and, and changing that is, is, is very, very difficult. And also, of course, expanding to new markets is kind of its new lingo. It's it's new uh, uh, kind of people that you need to target. So 
finding a common ground for all of that, this is just imagine the metrics of, of possible messages and possible yeah. stories. Uh, it was it was a mess. So that was a big challenge. And after a lot of work and, and talking to quite a lot of customers, anyone who, who would take our call, uh, actually, uh, actually, we found a very simple answer, which is always, uh, you know, was right, right in front of you the whole time. Uh, and the answer was to focus on the discipline. So we, we did what you call in branding a specialization move where you find out a find out what a discipline you, you want to focus on and you double down on that. So for us, we realized that there are a lot of different cybersecurity disciplines, right? You have cloud security, IT security, network security, and they each have, you know, quite a few platforms on the market, quite a few products. But for our niche, which was product security, there weren't really a lot of competitors that that focused on that thing uh, in terms of their story, uh, and 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 that was like an opening we can we can latch onto and, and and run with, and it was brilliant because it 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 kind of aggregated everything we do and it was relevant to all industries, uh, and. It's it's a great move because when you own when you try to own the discipline, everyone that has that title in their job description uh, will immediately feel attachment to you or or, or find it relevant. Um, so it was so simple that it was difficult at the beginning to kind of accept, uh, but that's what we we did. We we positioned ourselves as as the product security company, the company that kind of provides everything that product security people. Did, did need. you create a category, yeah. or were there like product security companies before that? Uh, not really. So we we also created that category of a product security platform that didn't didn't exist before, um, and and we really tried to double down on it as much as possible. So we started the podcast. We called it the Product Security Podcast, and uh, or you know even our newsletter was the Product Security Newsletter, and everything was around product security. We're now. We now just launched the first product security event, which we're going to do in a few months. So that became my thing. We, we wanted to be synonymous with product security. That was our goal. A very simple goal, but a very effective one. Uh, so that's kind of how this narrative turned out. And uh, so far, it's been effective. Yeah. Okay, super cool. I know, I know we're almost out of time. I have a couple more questions. So um, one is... so. This process, since you joined the company, so you're saying you work with them as a consultant before and then you joined the company. Um, so how long since you joined did it take you? And I'm sure you keep on working on that. And it's like an evolving process all the time. But in general, how long did this process take till, till the place where you can say, okay, I'm, I'm happy with what we've got? So uh, that was the first for me to do it inside a company. And, and I didn't know how much time it will take. So... I think to get to that point where we figured out the, the message I just told you and everything took us around a year, which was a long time. But on the way there, we tried out some iterations of that, which is usually not what you do in branding because you want to take some time to see if something works. But I think we also were in a learning process. So we tried one or two permutations of that during that year and saw how it worked and saw how the salespeople responded to it and how the founders kind of uh, uh, felt with it uh, when they talked to customers. Uh, and only then we settled on, on the 
uh, on that thing at the end of the of the year. It doesn't mean that we didn't do anything. We did a lot of marketing throughout the year. Yeah, you did, and you I think the focus it. came yeah. later. So, so you didn't stop everything, but but it does make it does. It is important that I mean, how to say, if you ch- if you keep on evolving your 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 branding and your messaging and all that. You probably have to keep on evolving the way the website looks, the, your, I don't know, even your, your LinkedIn banner. Like, so how do you do that when yeah. it's like an iterative process like that? So we, luckily we only got to a point where we felt like we, we needed to change that, uh, twice. So once was like six months after I joined, we came up with another story. Uh, and I, I, I felt that everyone felt that it's not like uh the final kind of story probably so we changed minor things like we changed the copy on the website we changed uh you know uh, linkedin and we changed our messaging uh, hierarchy for our sales we, we changed a few things but but not too much just to test it we didn't do our all overall of the look and feel and the design of the brand etc um and then after we learned more and more about the market and we became more confident in our, in our message and we found the second message, that's where we said, you know, and I talked to the CEO, I talked to the CMO, we said, okay, that's, that's the right time to do it. And then we did a full rebranding, which yeah. was uh, uh, the full thing. So uh, that's kind of how it okay. evolved for us. So one last question, if, if you still have the time, um, how, how, how different it is for you or how can you compare working at an agency, having like the opportunity to work with many different brands, many different founders in your case, and working in just one company and like doubling down on, on their brand strategy. Like which one is more beneficial for your career? Like your learn your, your personal learning and, and, uh, and, and growing as a, as a brand marketer. Yeah. Great question. So I think, uh, Working as a consultant is is like high octane kind of job because you need to completely reinvent yourself every few months and learn a new field and get used to new people that you work with and and kind of uh, become very very focused on what they do and and and, and their thing uh, for a few months and then it's gone it's gone from your life and you move on it's kind of like being an actor in a movie and right? uh, you 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 did this whole thing invested so much and then you need to move on so. It's, it's bittersweet, but on the other hand, you, you can imagine it's the best learning experience possible. And for uh, getting to know uh, these people, the founders, it's it's really addictive, like working with these people all the time and getting their energy and uh, their enthusiasm was, was, was credible. Um, having said that, something was missing for me, which is I always felt like we finished the project and I have no control over it anymore. Like I don't know how they're going to take it and how they're going to what they're going to do with it. And some companies did amazing things from it, you know, like look at Gong or JFrog who we worked with and, and they became huge because they knew how to take the brand and build it and others less so. So uh, it was each for me, like how how would it be to to actually do it inside and, and, and take that thing and, and build it uh, myself for a few years. And that's what I'm doing now. Uh, so I think it's, I would say it's less, of uh, uh, kind of high octane, high energy, always need to reinvent yourself kind of attitude now. Uh, it's much more relaxed on that front. But the challenges come mostly from needing to be creative all the time, to come up with new things for the same story, for the same narrative, which which yeah. I, I, want, I want it to be consistent, but I want to also be interesting and creative. So 
that's kind of a new challenge I never had before. Okay. Okay, Shlomi, it's been uh, very interesting. I definitely learned a lot because, as I tell you, I mean, I've been in marketing for a while, but not in branding, and and uh, it's it's a new field for me, and we definitely are going to move into that. Uh, so thanks a lot. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, we can do it uh, another time if it works for you. Um, yeah, thank you very much. I would love that. Thanks, thanks for the questions and the conversation. It's, it was great. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm.